Hello everybody and welcome to the History Voyager. This is episode 96 of the History Voyager. This is a conversation between me and a friend of mine named Will Butler. Will Butler lives on the other side of what we now call the Digital Divide. He lives in a small town um, in Georgia, a small town well outside of Metro Atlanta in Georgia. And we talked about some of the realities of raising children. He's raising his children, but he's also tutoring or, I guess, helping to take care of other people's children. And I wanted you to hear his takes on things about the other side of the digital divide, but also his takes on educating these kids and what these kids social lives are turning into with each other. I think it's really important that you hear this. The thing you need to understand about Will is that he's very, very intelligent, and he's also very well educated. Um, he was in computer uh, programming uh, for years, um, years and years, and life just kind of took him back home to where he was from. Anyway, so... And also, another a note about quality. We had to have a phone conversation because the internet in his community is very unreliable. Um, he talks about how schools will go down, like they, they work from home or they educate from home, and the schools will go down, like one kid's school will go down one day and one kid's school will go down the next day. It's kind of like, almost like roulette uh, that way, in a certain way. All right. Um, take care, people, and uh, be kind to each other. And as always, I'm having a good day, and I hope you are too. Oh, and another note. This podcast, I've been sitting on it for a few weeks. That things have been piling up, and I've been doing a lot of things both with the podcast and, believe it or not, I have a whole life outside of this podcast that I that I sometimes get to. But So I've been sitting on this episode for quite a while and I've been meaning to release it and I figured today was as good a day as any to do that. So that's why some of the things we talk about as far as the state of the pandemic and the state of the vaccines are pretty kind of dated but they're not too dated. Um, I read recently that, uh, let's see, today is March the 6th, 2021. I read uh, recently that uh, Georgia is last in vaccinating people. It has a million unused vaccines, I've read. Uh, technically, uh, we're still in um, phase A1+. plus which basically means only medical workers can get it. And um, people that get lucky enough to get the vaccine because they know a medical worker. Alrighty, everybody. Um, like I had previously said, I'm, I'm having a good day, and I hope you are too. Enjoy this podcast. It's, it's uh, rated for everybody, so everybody can listen to it. Um, take care, and I'll see you later. Bye-bye. This call is now being recorded. 
Hi, everybody. This is Ben Kissings of the History Voyager. I am here with Will Butler. And we are going to talk about, well, I guess we're going to talk about the digital divide and, like, where we all, where some of us are with that and how some of us are getting through the pandemic. So I thought I'd uh, start. Do you want to tell, Will, do you want to tell us a little bit about your uh, computer background just so people know you're not, just so people know you know what you're talking about? Well, my computer background, uh, I started working with computers with my father uh, back in the early 90s, actually. Um, my father uh, was probably the, the real genius in the, the computing world, but I did pick up a few things from him. Um, I started working on a Commodore 64 and learned how to program in basic way back then. Went to college uh, for computer programming and have a year and a half in computer programming. Learned how to do um, some programming with C++. Um, this is at the beginning of when information systems was becoming a, a big thing in college. So I did a year of um, information technology, um, but it was going to take too long to finish that degree. So uh, I do have quite a history of working with computers, building them from scratch, doing some of the programming stuff. Um, so a little bit of everything, fairly well-rounded in the industry, and uh, took over a, a business for a mutual friend of ours um, doing troubleshooting with uh, the Internet, um, processing yeah. for small businesses. Now all that all that to say that because of where you live uh you find yourself on the other side of what we what we call the digital divide these days um, would you would that be a fair assessment definitely definitely a fair assessment <laughs> oh okay um would you um so you you've got how many, okay, so, all right. So let's say, for the sake of argument, that on March 14th, 2020, the, the pandemic, or the COVID pandemic became a thing because the NBA buttoned up that day. I, I know that because I had to Google it. It's on my podcast. Yeah. Um, so let's say that the, the so-called new world uh, started then. <laughs> um, so everybody, uh, lo- was that when the lockdown started? Do you remember? I mean, you, you obviously, for ways I hope my listeners learn. I believe, um, that definitely sometime in March, I can't remember the exact date, um, but that's certainly when March of, of 2020. Uh, is when they shut down the schools um, and sent all the kids home, uh, my parents had to go back to work. So uh became became an interesting uh, problem to solve, for sure. Yeah, and I want to get into that, how that, how that went and is going and all that. Um, what would you say the number one... I mean, for you, per- let's do this, because your listeners, he's a this is a smart with it individual. So let's let's do this. First off, for you personally, for your family personally, what would you say the the biggest problem 
with the digital divide is, or is it the biggest problem you guys are facing? Are you guys, um, how are you guys, basically? Well, for um, for me and my family, it hasn't been horrible, I would say, just because of my background. I have been working with my children from a young age to keep them kind of up to date. They can do some troubleshooting on their own when there's an issue with computers or um, what we run into more often isn't necessarily the computers so much as the, the individuals using the computers on the other end and not them not understanding fully how the, the process works for some of these programs like Zoom and, and Google Classroom and things like this. And the, the, this learning curve has been very, it's been a hard learning curve. Um, my eldest daughter, who is uh, 15 years old. That's um, weird that she's 15. That's, I, that is guys, weird. <laughs> that's weird. But she's actually been doing the online classroom for the last three years. So for her, it wasn't it wasn't a big deal to have to be forced back into a digital classroom. However, the disappointing part for her is she was really looking forward to being in a um, um, an in-person classroom so she can make friends and the the whole social divide that's occurred because uh, of the only way to really talk to people is across the internet now. Um, which is exactly what we were trying to take out of her day-to-day life from the last three years. Um, my youngest, though, who is five years old, is in pre-K. And for her, for, for the, the five-year-old, she's not grasping what it is she's supposed to be doing in a classroom because the classroom doesn't make sense to her. It's just sort of playtime and watch a movie. Um so some of these tactile yeah. things that we used to do then uh, when you and I were in school as kindergartners, how do mm. you draw the letter D? Where do you start? Where is this line paper that you, you have to draw your circle from and, and, and make things with? Um, yeah. Writing is quickly becoming a thing of the past unless you take someone who has a, you know, my mother was a, a, a a teacher for, um, retired after 40 years in Chatham County, uh, Georgia, and she used to teach how to do handwriting in first grade. And this is something that isn't really a thing in the past. They can show it on, on the TV screen, yeah. but who's enforcing it at home? Sometimes the people that are enforcing it at home is the ninth grader who just happens to be old enough to be watching their their pre-kindergarten sibling. And now, yeah. you know, they weren't taught right to begin with necessarily. So yeah. this, this divide, I, I'm really concerned about the, uh, the impersonal parts of what the divide has created. And the, the thing that, part. yeah, the thing that concerns me just... I mean, let's okay. I want you. I want you to tell my listeners the story you you told me. I don't know if you remember, but you told me the story about how you were. I don't want to say the wrong word, but you were babysitting or keeping kids or however you say it. And okay. there, 
would that be a fair? How would you characterize what you were doing with these all these children? Honestly, I feel that I'm a teacher for these children. That, okay. um, and it's not it's what, not just it's not just your children. It's right. Okay. Wait. So what just happened in this area? Okay. Is we still have people that are classified as essential workers who have families, and these essential workers have to go to work. Uh, i.e. essential, right? But we have children, they have a 12-year-old and an 8-year-old. So I have a third grader and an eighth grader that aren't quite at the age where they can be left home alone while their parents go to work. Need, especially in mathematics, I find this to be the, the hardest thing for kids to learn online because you don't get a chance to really raise your hand, so to speak, and talk to a teacher because sometimes, especially with the program of Zoom, you don't see all the students on the Zoom face. You have to see whoever it is yeah. that's talking, which then becomes a distraction to the learning process. You have to talk to be seen, but then you're not getting the right questions out necessarily for mathematics problems uh, or even getting another way to be taught. So you get one way to learn on this. So I've become right. a teacher. In this scenario. Oh, okay. All right. Now, I want to back up and talk about Zoom a second, but there was, I want you to get, I want to get in this story you told me, uh, when we were just talking mm-hmm. about, um, you feel like you're playing, uh, Russian roulette with the school system because one school will go down one day, and the next school will go down the next day, and it's like the kids aren't getting a full weekend. I want you to tell that story. So, and that, we we can certainly do that. Uh, the the one day, so there's this one day. I I believe it was what three months ago or so when we were talking about this. What I have, I have um, the two students that have the uh, the. The third grader and the eighth grader, they're in different schools because of, of just how the school systems work here. So they're signing into different schools. And then I have my children. One is in pre-K who's in a third school. And then I have my tenth uh, grader who's in a fourth school. So I have four separate schools that I'm trying to work with on any given day um, when I'm watching my children. What happened on this particular day was that first the pre-K classroom went down. The the school system had an issue with their internet, um, and I learned that because of again with computer pa- background. What I did is I did a trace route and found out that it wasn't our internet was still running, and a trace route will detect where the internet node is no longer sending signal out um, from the computer. So did a trace route. And it went back to uh, where somewhere near Bloomingdale Elementary had stopped projecting their their internet. So then, um, not long after that, the third graders' internet had gone down. And then the high schoolers' internet went down. So I still had the eighth grader in a class. And we were trying to decide whether it was not our internet or their internet. Because I had an eighth grader still in class, it wasn't our internet. But then it crashed again on our side, so then everything went down. We lost a whole day of school because of the Internet going down. Uh, and then but the schools had come back up, so they were then emailing me, and I was checking emails through the phone 
it turned into just a giant cluster mess. <laughs> I'm ready to not say for work. I, I don't know that we've said that. <laughs> but that? I'm ready to not say for work. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just, yeah. just saying. Just saying. Yeah. Throwing it out there. <laughs> it, it, right. it was... It was a mess. It was a mess. And um, day one from school for this year in August, the first day of school when they required all students to be online, the Internet in Chatham County crashed. All the Internet. Businesses went down and and everybody went down from the Internet. Um, It was not built to sustain that many people. Um, We just – they – have been continuing to expand and try and make faster and, and more reliable internets around, and 5G is supposed to be a big rollout for that. But, again, uh, 5G... Uh, I mean, that's funny to me, because 5... I mean, I, I watch these phone reviews, and, and I mean, you, you can see it. that The the guy, like, the phone reviewer, will, he'll move three feet to the left, and then the phone goes dark. Exactly. I mean, exactly. Well, and I'm not exaggerating. Uh, do you understand the 5G and what makes it really uh, an important rollout for internet in general? Well, it, it's got a weaker. Uh, it's supposed to be faster, right? But it's got right. a weaker. Um, uh, uh, you, you're going to know the words that, mm. <laughs> like, it can't go through walls and stuff. Right. Or, Part or, of what or, happens with 5G, what's supposed to make it faster, uh, yeah. is essentially what they're doing is they're trying to streamline how information is received and sent from any particular uh, uh, electrical device um, to, to, to make it for all audiences. What we're doing is we're using a ground line like fiber optic to bring information in and then instead of sending information back out on that same ground line, possibly bottlenecking and, you know, fiber optics are expanded a lot so you can send more information back and forth that way. What we're doing with a 5G is we're bringing information in across the ground and then sending it out across the air, thus opening up a larger, uh, a larger uh, capacity for being able to send and receive information. Uh, but that's also why you can't, do it through walls in some cases, or you have signals sometimes and not others, um, which is the way one of the downfalls behind it is. But it's supposed to allow more people to be online, which is where it comes into the school here. Um, and that's, I don't know how well that's going to work because, again, not everybody has access to a 5G area code. If you're out in the boondocks of, of the United States, somewhere out in the woods somewhere, you're still just going to be lucky if you get satellite internet, which uh, anybody who's ever used satellite internet knows that it's very, very slow and not very well, reliable. The thing about, the thing that some of my listeners, uh, specif- specifically the ones in Asia uh, mm-hmm. that I've spoken with, um, they, I mean, they have this idea of America from from movies and TV, and that 
doesn't really exist once you get out of the major cities or the major suburbs or I can see that. Or wherever. I can definitely I mean, see that. You know what I'm saying? Like you know what I mean. Our like, cities have certainly poured a lot of money into being better. You know? They poured a lot of money uh LaGrange in Georgia, actually. Um I guess this was back in two thousand three or two thousand four for like two or three years in a row, got the most intelligent city in the world, um, which was very interesting to me. And one of them for, was for providing Internet to anybody within the city limits, um, which I also thought was really cool. Another one, one of the years prior to that, was for their water treatment facility. Um, so, yeah, in the cities, there's, I, I do believe, well, we have a higher consolidation of people to provide and pay taxes to, to make the, the, the infrastructure uh, a lot better than what it is, say, where I'm at here in Fort Wentworth, which is just outside of Savannah, Georgia. <laughs> yeah. Which we don't have access to some of those things. And it's kind of uh, an interesting dichotomy here in that we have rural Georgia involved with us because we're right next to, like, Lincoln and Effingham areas, which are also very rural, you know, the further out you get from Savannah, the more rural it becomes. Um, but in Savannah... Very, rap- very rapidly. I mean, Very, it's very, very ve- rapidly. Starting right here in Fort <laughs> Wentworth. I would say we're on the cusp of it. Um, yeah. You go across the bridge from where I live, directly over to South Carolina, and houses go from being right next to each other to being once every mile apart from each other. Yeah. <laughs> Until you get into the next city. Right. And that's literally just across the bridge, maybe two miles down the street from me. So that's, um, definitely in those areas, they're not getting the same, the same, uh, um, access to, to information that you're getting if you go into Savannah proper. Yeah. Yeah. And I wonder what, I wonder what the education, like, what the, so in this country we have local control of education. So I wonder what the educational level is, like, county to county down there. You Um, know, like, you know what I'm saying? Because. I'm going to say that the information used to be, well, it used to be easy to access them, that kind of information. Now, um, yeah. you know, we'll have to wait and see what the school year provides because standardized testing kind of got thrown out the window at the end of last year in March and April whenever we started the online process. I yeah. I don't believe that we're doing the standardized testing this year to give any kind of idea of what the real repercussions of having all the children be online is. Um, well, and, and also, like, now, man. go ahead. Also, like, I worry about the, like, the, uh, the socialization, like you're talking, and the. Right, the human interactions. Kids, I mean, coming. Just, yeah. Yeah. Here's, I mean, a, here's a good example of that. Um, okay. my two sisters, the, the eighth grader and the, um, uh, third grader, their sisters. So the two kids you're keeping that aren't your kids, okay. The two kids that I'm keeping that are not my kids. 
right. they, uh, I mean, and there are some other children that I end up having to watch as well sometimes. But and for for what we're talking about now, I have watched since August of 2020 to now, yeah. um, February of 2021. I have sat here and watched how these two kids ha- have changed how they treat each other. Before, when they were able to get out and see their friends and, and, and uh, play, you would occasionally have an argument between the two of these sisters. And, and yeah. they would kind of work it out, you know, so we didn't have to be involved as parents as much. Because about, you know, a good 60% of the time, they'd work it out and go into their own rooms and everything would be okay. Now, February, after being online for so long, not being able to get out and play in the playgrounds to to go yeah. be with their friends as much, these kids are at each other's throats. And I'm telling you, the language that they're using is just rude, very direct. So I would have thought it would have been better. Like, I would have thought they would have been treating each other better, but you're saying not. I'm saying not. Well, not in this particular case and what my experience has been because it's happened a little bit with my two as well. But definitely in the case of this, uh, of these two, um, they, they, I watch what's happened. It's how they're talking to their friends online. They're using much more, um, adult language than what I'm comfortable with, with a a third grader using. Like, you mean curse words, or what do you mean? I mean, curse words, sexuality, uh, sexual innuendos, um, stuff that you see watching YouTube channels and, and playing music when you've got alone time is coming out in the arguments between these two sisters. And, of course, when words hurt. We know that words hurt, and they leave a long-lasting impression. So yeah. the language that's being used now... And stuff that they're getting because they're told, hey, you need to watch this video. They get bored with the video. They go watch something else while watching the first video. Um, <sighs> suggestions made from, from peers online because they're doing the same thing. I mean, you know, I guess, and I mean, I'm no expert here, but I guess everybody, everybody, who is everybody? Oh, all the the policymakers and the the health folks thought, right. you know, if we keep the kids at home, we'll keep them safe from the disease, and we can sort this out later. Right. And I've certainly talked to folks. Uh, who, who their community has been laid pretty low by the yeah. pandemic. Um, but it, it seems to me like from your level, it seems to me like that's a horrible decision. That's a horrible bargain to make. Like it's a terrible, uh, you know what I'm saying? Like that's a terrible thing to, to have to do. It, it, it... <laughs> For me, it certainly feels that way. You know, um... Because I find myself being in the position that I'm in, 
having to now redirect these children as their surrogate parent because the parents are still working and explain we don't use that kind of language towards each other because it hurts. Right. But, you know, I have a lot of empathy for the, the, the teachers that, that are in the classroom and trying to teach these these, these kids and, and ex- explain yeah. to them in a classroom when you've got 10 to 15 kids, right? You know, well, just, well, for where I'm from, where I, I live up here, we... You'd be lucky to have 40 in a classroom. You, you know, well, you, certainly as you get older, I'm thinking more in the younger divisions with the pre-K and the first well, right, graders. Well, right, right, you know, well... They're supposed I'm, to be smaller classes. <laughs> I mean, here, too, you've got... Uh, like, there's a million people live in my county. Right, you know? right. And we've got... You know, we've, we've got a lot of... Um, a lot of people coming from all over the place with young children right so, i mean i've heard i've heard i'm not a teacher but i've heard from people who are that you know we, we're having a baby boom <laughs> we're in the middle of the baby we're we're in the middle of a baby boom here before the pandemic right you know so well, here's an interesting conundrum, too, in how uh, the children react with their parents. Mm-hmm. Um, we were talking about how they react with each other, but with their parents, when they're asked to do something that they don't want to do, uh, now I've watched this happen a lot over the course of the year. It used to happen every once in a while. But the problem is, when they're asked to do something that they don't want to do, they just stop talking. And don't say anything, like hanging up the phone or turning off the computer. Oh. And they sit there. Oh. And they don't get up, and they don't do anything at all. <laughs> oh. And this is a, a, a very interesting reaction that 10 years ago you never saw. If you didn't Because you would never year, have... Oh, my God. You, you know, 10 years ago, you would never... You wouldn't talk back to your, your, your parents because you ran the risk of having something horrible happen. Or you would, <laughs> but you wouldn't. Okay, you would, but it would escalate, right? You wouldn't right. just right. shut down. Right. Like, just, oh, my God. Shutting and down then, has become a new reaction, and it's not just with these two. I've talked to other parents in, uh, in this area. And well, they're having some of that same kind of problem. If you think about it, and then you scale that out. Right. You know, you, you scale that out through time, and you're like, you're going to have... This is now an accepted behavior, Ben. Well, not only that, but it's also like... So, if if you don't... If you're not around friends... Right. Peers. Peers, I'm Right. Friends, when you get out into what we call the real world, which when and where does the real world start and when and where does the real world stop, right? So, but when you, I'm mean, seriously, right? You when you get out. action shaking a person's hand, world. Well, okay, but when you get out in peer-to-peer relationships when they get older, are these kids just going to be 20-something years old and, oh, I had a, 
disagreement with Bobby Sue. I need to, if I quit talking and shut up, you know, Bobby Sue will go away. Well, instead that's what of, happens on Facebook. Instead of let's work it out. Right. You know? Right. <laughs> like So now we talk of, about these emotions that, that, that maybe they said something that made you angry. And now we bottle up that anger. And how do we release that anger? Where is the, the release valve for this? And where where does that anger go? And, right. And, oh, Jesus. <laughs> and that's, that is definitely a product of what is occurring by by not allowing our, our, our kids to, to talk to each other and maybe having a peer say, hey, what you just did wasn't quite right. And then you being able to talk it out while with for why did you do it that way? Because sometimes it's not bad yeah. intent, malintent. Sometimes it's because that's what you thought you should do. And then you know we leave it up to our peers to help us work through things that we thought might be okay that really aren't accepted in the social situation. Right. We're, we're losing some of this. We're we're really losing that battle on a lot of it. Well, also, I mean, the thing that strikes me over and over again in this pandemic is, I mean, it's a gimme that our society is unequal. Okay, that's that's a gimme, right? right? I agree with you on that. That's that's sure. Here's what I'm figuring out: it's not even that it's unequal; it's that it's unequal house to house. Yeah. You can live in the same neighborhood. And like your mommy and your daddy and his mommy and his daddy might have really great jobs. But because those kids, because those parents have different backgrounds or different mm-hmm. whatever, your educational experience is going to be different. And the thing that public school did or school period did was it made sure that if Johnny and Susie were going to the same school, that Johnny and Susie might have an equal, not, you know, like a more even education. Right. I agree. Yeah. But, but here you, you know, it depends you don't on what's happening that. in the household. Depends right. On what kind of education you're getting. And that was true before, but now it's really true. Now our high schoolers that are being required to watch the the elementary schoolers while their parents are at work are not able to get the same education that a high schooler is that doesn't have siblings or doesn't have a sibling that's younger than them. Or, Or like what happened, now here's a thought. So what happens, and this is already, this this has been going on, but what happens, you have, so there's websites, you know, that have all the, we didn't grow up with free porn. Right. You, you know? And right. you, you got kids literally unsupervised. Right. You know? <laughs> and don't think for one second that these kids don't know how to get around passwords and, and, and exactly blocks and things because they've been taught exactly. that from an early age about how to do some of these programming things and, and some basic programming <laughs> things that, that uh, I want to tell you now some of my construction friends don't understand. 
Well, and their and kids can can run circles around them. <laughs> exactly. And I know that's you know that, that that's not necessarily fair to the construction guys, but in general, we have parents that don't understand the level of computing that goes on just in owning a phone in a lot of cases. Well, I look at I look at like my own life. And how, right. like, I'm educating older people all the time. That's correct. About phones and technology. You, you look at a kid and what that mm-hmm. kid would be able to tell me or whatever. And here's the, here's the thought that I have that I've been having ever since I logged into Discord for the first time. Right? Is right. this idea that some folks have that Joe Joe Biden or President Biden is gonna gonna roll out we're we're gonna have a vaccine and we're we're all gonna get a vaccine and we're all gonna go back to normal and everybody's gonna go back to an office somewhere and or whatever, right? Blah blah blah. That idea it that's wrong. That that's not gonna happen. I hate to say it, but the problems are bigger than one president. They're bigger than the Senate, and they're bigger no, than the House. Exactly, our, our it's, it's a big start in the household. I mean, you're talking about you could have. I mean, like, so like we're both from the South. I mean, yes. you know, my I forget where the generation where it went, but the one grandparent that was born after the Civil War. Or the one, whatever, that was born after the Civil War was not as well educated as the one that was right. before the Civil War. Right. And and that went down through time right up until the 30s or whenever it was that they decided to build build high school back or whatever. And I'm just going, I mean, Metro Atlanta is going to pretty much be okay, I would guess. But well, again, there's not enough taxpayers for them to continue throwing money at solutions. Well, but also right, but also you've got all these people, and you've got, I mean, and this is something this is something that I've been thinking about. So one of the things um, that I've been thinking about a lot lately is 2020 was the year that. Okay, let's say it like this. I bet you anything. I don't have numbers or breakdown or anything like that. But I'll bet you anything that there were a whole lot of grown adults with jobs and houses and cars and everything like that that even had the Internet, some kind of how, right, be it a phone or whatever, Yeah. that, that thought, well, the Internet's a toy. The Internet's just some little <laughs> toy to have. And maybe I'll pay my bills on it, but that's about it, right? Right. And now you have 2020 hit, and now this is like a wake-up call for a whole lot of folks. I guarantee you. I guarantee you. It is. That maybe they had the Internet, but they were, but, you know, whatever. But now it's like, oh, my God, I can't go into work or I can't. Right. I don't think that you can have a household um, today. You you have to have internet to do anything anymore. It seems like. Well, 
But the uh, other thing I, I was going to say is I, I feel like, you know, we've done a decent job of, of explaining some of the, the, the problems in these scenarios, right? Uh, the, the lack of human interactions, the, 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 the lack of internet in some cases, as we're speaking about now, um, the, the, yeah. One of the solutions that I thought about, cause I, I'm okay. always trying to find solutions, right? What are the, well that's yeah. a good question, right? What, what are some solutions that we can do about this? We still have to be considerate of, of, of this pandemic that's occurred. COVID is a reality. Uh, it is out there. Um, you know, people, people discuss to what extent, and that's where the arguments lie, I'm sure. But the reality is, what I did in my case, um, even with COVID, I try to, to remain around the same group of people that I've been around since the beginning. So I try not to explore too far. But I've taken it upon myself to go and help my neighbor out with their kids. To go and, and I don't, these kids know that, that these interactions they've had are bad because I've been there to say, hey, that was pretty mean. You might owe your sister an apology for that. You know, and this is one thing that we can still do is, is uh, I, I do feel that, you know, the lack of human interaction is, is probably at the core of, of the education process right yeah. now, of the, uh, of the, uh, uh, how people are, are driving. And, and, you know, when we talk about yeah. road rage, well, road rage partially exists because they don't see the person in front of them as being a human. <laughs> They're just a car. Right, right. But as soon as somebody gets out of their car, then that's a human that you've got to interact with and something may happen. And yeah, all so of a sudden, so that you're saying, is kind of dissipated. So you're saying you're seeing road rage more now? I am. I'm right near a trucking area at the Ports Authority. Um, yeah. And I see a lot of road rage. I see people driving yeah. right up on somebody's bumper, and you probably see a lot more up there in Atlanta. Well, you're not driving around as much, but I, I'm sure it's happening yeah. more in Atlanta. No, well, what I see when, I, when I've been out, what I see now that's weird is, like, there was a while there where it's like the world cut on. Like, the world cut on, and, and COVID, what's that? You know? Here we, yeah. here we are with COVID, but the world's still going, right? Right, blah, blah. right. But here lately, it's just really strange. Uh, at least in my little corner of the world, there's almost no traffic. It's not no traffic. There is traffic, but it's nowhere near right. like it was. It's nowhere near like it was even after things cut cut on. And I don't know if that's because of the pain, if that's because of the economy, or if that's because people are figuring out how to work from home for real, or if that's because, uh, like, okay, so I have, that I can think of right now, I have like five or six people that uh, I know, that I know for a fact died from COVID, just that I know for a fact. and. If you go one out from me, so if you go one remove from me, I've got friends that know a lot of people, like a yeah. whole lot of people that died of COVID. So maybe like a lot of people are like, oh, let's, let's sit at home. Like let's, 
let's not go here, let's not go there, let's let's sit right. at home or whatever. Uh but But there is some level of reality that sitting at home isn't necessarily healthy for you either. I mean, we've well, talked about being kids and eating dirt pies and mud pies and stuff and, and being able to get through a cold at that point. If we sanitize everything, don't we create superbugs? Well, when I meant sit at home, I didn't mean, you know, but I see what you're saying, too. I mean, that's a... I'm just thinking that there does need to be some level of interaction that still has to occur. We we have to get out. We we have to interact just so, well, partially so that we can keep our, our, our humanity and our sanity um, mental health-wise. I mean, what kind of toll is it taking mentally for people to not ever interact with another person? Right. You know, the, that's some of the stuff that still has to be taken into account when we're saying we need to... We need to isolate. Well, I do believe that isolation is going to help some. I don't think it's, it's going to help one. It's going to help one problem and hinder another, hinder a lot of other problems. Exactly. What kind and, of can of worms are we opening? And there's no denying uh, across yeah. the board that COVID has proven to have been an effect of what has killed people. So, well, like COVID I exists. mean, we can see that. You know? I mean, it's really crazy. Like, um, I talked to a guy for my podcast. I talked to a guy way early in my podcast, right? Right. And he talked about how his, like, his neighbors were dying. And this yeah. was back when people didn't necessarily know that you could, you know, People thought there was a period of time where people just thought COVID was a lung disorder, a lung involvement situation. They didn't understand right. it was the the nervous system and the heart and all like that. Right. Um, so I mean, part of this is there's just this weird learning curve that's going on in real time. That's very um, true. <laughs> that's one part of it. Another part of it is. You know, I don't think we, as a society, I, I don't think we we think about kids. Right. Or the effects of, of, of what's happening here. Um, well, that's actually a very good point that you're bringing up, and that as a society, we're not necessarily thinking about the kids. How, how much has COVID uh, and, and this pandemic and, and the way the government's been handling this pandemic, how much is that forced parents to be at home and actually listen to their kids and, and mm-hmm. deal with some of their children's problems. Deal, deal, deal with problems and see what's what. And, exactly. And all um, that. It's, but I mean, in some ways, that should be a blessing. But I'm not know, sure that, that we're necessarily dealing with the children's problems so much as we're yeah. here. Go do something. Play on your Nintendo Switch. Get out do your class. Yeah. I've got to work and stare at my computer while you stare at your computer in the same household. And right. the way that you talk is you, you instant message <laughs> your child who's sitting across the table from you just so that you can get them to not shut down and they have to talk. <laughs> That's just wild to me. I mean, right. Have you seen, because I've seen this um, in my neighborhood, 
have you seen where like I'll have try it's like you'll have these walks you'll you'll see these people go on walks right right and it's like it's like the tribe so the house goes on a walk and it's like a blend it's, right. it's a blended family it's like a blended situation you know like you have you have so what look to be several committed relationships living in the same house and yeah. and the thing i've noticed the thing i've noticed is their body language is changing to where now it's like they don't necessarily know that they want to go back to normal even though they haven't really expressed that but at right. least as far as living apart and I'm just thinking, I don't know. I don't know. Well, how much of that, then, is really the solution that we're talking about, too? You know, if we go outside, let's say, I know that you take walks yourself, but how awesome would it be if you felt comfortable to go ring the doorbell of your neighbor, wear your mask, be safe, right? <laughs> and, and then say, hey, you want to go on a walk with me? You know, the last time, you know, well, fun, the funny thing about that is, I mean, people do ring the doorbell. I'm right. not going to say they don't, but, you know, 20, 20 years ago, 30 years ago in a different house, people rang the doorbell a lot more often than they do now. I agree. I agree. <laughs> you know, what I think that's part of what, what I've been looking at. You know, the, the difference between a neighborhood 20 or 30 years ago and a neighborhood now. 20 or 30 years ago, we, we, we didn't have a cell phone, so we didn't call first. We literally would show up on somebody's doorstep and be like, hey, can, can Jack Smith come out and play with us? Today? So into, you know? And that's another thing is like, you, I, and even before the pandemic, like, that I would notice this. Like, when I would go to the mall to, to go on my little walks. Yeah. I, I really thought about it. Like, I really studied it one day. I was like, the youngest person that I see walking under their own power. Yeah. Mostly are, like, people in their 20s. Yeah. Like, you don't see people you don't see children out you, you just don't and when we were kids you know people wanted to go out well my my <laughs> my parents would tell me get out of the house you're not allowed to stay in here anymore go outside and do something <laughs> dig a hole i don't know <laughs> yeah but i mean like in some ways I really think all the pandemic did was just accelerate what was already going on, like the the kids right. and, the, and the computers. I don't know. The kids would have just start shutting down, like, "Hey, do this, shut down." Right. You know. Well, I and know. I feel like that really is a part of what's going on. I feel like the pandemic has kind of forced us to buy into some of this bad behavior that we were already starting with cell phones and computers, uh, of making interactions with others a lot less personal uh, and saying things online or in a text message that you would never say to a person when they're standing in front of you. Um, yeah. And, and then making that okay. Now we're seeing it where 
sometimes these people are saying those things that they said online to the person that's in front of them, not thinking, hey, that's not appropriate. And then they're getting in a lot of trouble and violence thus occurs. Um, well, what okay, only we're going to zoom in on that. What kind of violence stuff does occur? Like, uh, well, how about the interaction between my neighbors here that I've got? Um, they're on two different political sides. Uh, one is a 78-year-old retired man from being a truck driver uh, and a retired Navy SEAL. And, and then the other side is a uh, family that that um, they they mostly keep to themselves. But every once in a while, they'll get out. And um, this particular interaction that I saw occur happened with, with, with my uh, my direct neighbor, the, the, the wife over there was really upset about the fact that my neighbor's dog would bark every time somebody came out. Oh, you told me this story. Okay, but go ahead. This is crazy. So my African-American neighbor walks across the street and steps into this other gentleman's yard and starts just cussing at him without warning. I happened to be sitting on the porch at this time when this happened with my neighbor, and I was talking with him about some things that he needed done around his house. Yeah. Well, when she came over and then started just cussing at him about how bad his dog is and, and calling him all kinds of names that, that, that we have deemed inappropriate to call people, uh, things like <laughs> you poor white trash yeah. Yeah. So-and-so, and getting into stuff like that. So my elderly neighbor retaliates in directions that we can all understand. Or you can understand what what happened here, and and, and the kind of names that are being thrown out are typical of this kind of situation. Turns into the lady refused to to leave his man after about five minutes of name calling back and forth. So he goes inside and grabs his gun because it's now escalated to the situation and tells her to leave. And then she goes and calls him to leave. Yeah, that's the kind of stuff that seems to be coming out. Whereas, quite honestly. If she had come across knocking his door and, and, and didn't start off with name calling, just started off with, hey, uh, is there anything that we can do about your dog barking all the time? Versus, we're just going to directly jump into, here's my text message. This is what I think of you. I feel like that's the mentality of the ABC. Because the, the guy across the street who I was trying to help out, he wasn't trying to hurt anybody. He wasn't creating any problems at that time. He definitely should not have escalated the direction that he went, but he felt that was appropriate considering not understanding necessarily what's going on with all this stuff that, that's just now come into his yard. Yeah. I feel like we're missing that in-between interaction that should be occurring. You know, the one where you knock on the door and you ask him, politely to do something about it. That do you think happened. it's do you <laughs> think it's the uh do you think it's the pandemic and the stress of the pandemic or or what? I don't know. I, I think that this this is um I think that, that politics probably played a role in this to some degree. Uh pandemic maybe overall it was just a poor human interaction is what I saw. I saw a person that, that, that 
wasn't very considerate in how they were trying to bring forth the problem. Mind you, I need to also make this clear. I don't have any issues with either neighbor. I've talked to both neighbors and offered to help out both sides. I just happened to be across the street at that time when this interaction began. So I feel like we that somewhere, you know, we're, we're talking about a younger person versus an older person here. The the lady that went across the street is in her uh, 40s, mid-30s, early 40s. And the guy across the street is in his late 70s. So I don't know, Ben. I don't know. These are just things that I've been observing. Yeah. And it makes me nervous to walk around in my neighborhood sometimes. But I don't think I would be as nervous if I was doing what I was suggesting earlier, noticing, hey, did you know that, that I've got a pressure washer and your house could use it right now? Mind if I help you out? You know, if we if we start approaching life that way instead of, you're talking annoying me, maybe we would be better off with our interactions. You know, where did we lose the in-between, right? Yeah. My grandfather was known for being in the neighborhood, for walking around, and <laughs> he wouldn't even tell somebody. He'd just go cut their grass. He, he, we were talking about, you know, when we would used to knock on people's doors and say, hey, can Jack Smith come out and play? You know, that's kind of the way that, that, that the post-World War II veterans were. They would just walk down the street and cut your grass and be like, have a great day. <laughs> Where did we lose that, then? I, you know, How I... How did we bring it back? I wonder if we lost it. I don't know where we lost it. But don't you think that uh, having more interactions like that would make people feel more comfortable with having maybe your neighbor who is retired and in their 70s watch her children that are at home alone so you can go to work, though? Well, right. Or, like, you could have... I mean... What I've noticed a lot is the other way. Like, I've noticed people helping people. But that's what I'm in, hoping is going to happen more. In in weird ways. Or like, I, or like I saw something on Twitter right when the pandemic started. Um, or before the pandemic even. But then when the pandemic started, it, it got really started. And it it was creepy. I don't know if you if you know about Twitter, but not Twitter much. is not the place to go to to find comfort and support. Right? <laughs> You're only allowed how many sentences? Like five sentences or something <laughs> like that to get your message out? No, it's uh, characters. But Some when the characters, pan- but yeah. But when the pandemic got rocking, people got helpful on Twitter. And that's really weird. (laughs) And that's what I would like to see happen. Yeah, it's still kind of that way. Like, it's still kind of that way, but it's, it's getting back to, 
you know, it's like I had this, I keep having this thought of like, explain Twitter to your, to yourself 20 years ago. Like go back to 20 years ago and explain <laughs> Twitter. Like, and watch 20 years ago yourself be like, what? Who? Why? <laughs> you know, it's kind of, uh, when we were in English class in, in elementary school, you got a one-page paper to explain everything that you're trying to explain about how to make a, a brownie in the oven. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Only it's a lot more complicated, and now we're explaining emotions. <laughs> and some of these, and that's the other thing, some of these kids aren't going to have the words for the emotions they're feeling. This is so true. Uh, who's teaching them the words? I mean, that, that, that's the real question. Where? Yeah. Who are they? Who are these kids learning from? And the, the other thing, the other kids right now. Right. So if you have a trauma that happened to you, that's the age you are. You know, when the trauma occurred, mentally, that's the age. Well, you know. I'm thinking, are we going to have, like, whatever age this person was in 2020, like 20, whatever. If they were 10 in 2020, are they going to be 10? Are we going to have 50-year-olds playing G.I. Joe? Oh, man. Or what? But, you know, like, whatever the 10-year-olds do now. I don't, I don't know. I don't have a 10-year-old. But you know what I'm saying? Right. Right. I do know what you're saying here. And that's... Uh... <laughs> That's an interesting concept. That's an I'm, interesting concept. I mean, like, I mean, honest to God, like, I don't know, man. Or like how we well, weren't even over, we weren't even over the Great Recession. Honestly, no, no, no. <laughs> well, another thought on this is, is is when does the trauma start and when does the trauma end in this scenario, right? Yeah, what because do you mean? Oh, okay. If we're talking about the pandemic and COVID being the the, the, um, the trauma that's begun to cause people to be stuck at home, and you know, this is our trauma, right? And we can talk about the state of politics or whatever it is, but it's all surrounding the same particular timeline. It hasn't necessarily ended. <laughs> How long is this going to go on? We're talking about you know civil war kind of trauma, aren't we? I mean, like they talk about, I remember during the, like, we're, we're both around the same age. And yeah. I remember my, uh, my great aunts and my great uncles and stuff who came up in the depression. Right. And like they would tell, they would sit around and they would talk about things. And you'd just be like, well, that's not, you know, thank God I'm there. Thank God I'm never going to have to deal with that. Right. <laughs> boy, were we long. <laughs> <laughs> like, boy, you know? <laughs> like, the thing I wonder, honestly, is, like, okay, I'm not thinking anymore that the, the disease is just going to go on for years without some kind of vaccine, right? 
Right. What I'm what I'm wondering is when does the economy get back to normal adjacent? And what does that even look like? Right? You know? <laughs> this is where I feel we need to let politics step aside so that we can start getting the vaccines out to everyone. And let it... If... Supposedly our vaccines are 99% effective or some kind of crazy high number, right? Yeah. I don't have the numbers in front of me. But our vaccines are supposedly really effective. If that's the case, then, yeah, we need to have our essential workers vaccinated and, and the elderly vaccinated because that's it affected the elderly the most. Uh, that's kind of been a proven thing. Well, and, to hear you tell it, what we need to do is vaccinate the kids and the teachers. <laughs> well, I have no problems with, with, with the uh, teachers being vaccinated. I mean, again, that goes into the essential workers. What I find to be interesting is, is somewhere along the way, the teachers have deemed themselves unessential <laughs> because they're saying they, they shouldn't be going into a classroom with 15 kids, but it's okay for them to go into buy their groceries at the local grocery store with 30 people around them. On uh, 30? Oh, is that all? Again, I'm we live being in, conservative. Again, right. we live in different. We live in the same state, just different worlds. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, well, thirty, thirty is thirty is what ahead. you'd find it. Thirty is what you would find it at two o'clock in the morning on a Tuesday, <laughs> or on a rainy Sunday morning. You know, it's. It, 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 30 yeah. is, is a conservative number, and it's way more than the students that they have to deal with on a daily basis. <laughs> and, and the same students every day is what they're supposed to be watching after. So yeah. here, it seems to me that the, the, the risk of COVID is actually much higher by living your daily life at home than it is to be going to work and, and watching the same students every day. And, and that's really what I was trying to get at. You know, it, it's uh, I, I just don't understand how teachers aren't essential and need to be back in the workplace, but their 16-year-old student in high school is essential and has to go work as a bag boy at the local Publix or, or Kroger, and he sees way more people because he's not in a classroom. That's the yeah. reason why he's at work, to give him something to do. Right. And, I mean, where I live, in the county I live in, working in a grocery store is pretty much dangerous, so. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, no, for real, the New York Times the other day, I forget when, but the other day I had, like, my county was one of the most covid places in, on the planet. And yeah, whole makes story sense about to that. Uh, be extremely careful about all that. You know, definitely, definitely take precautions. But I don't uh, think anybody's saying that you shouldn't take precautions about sicknesses. You know, and I'll tell you what's nice is that the more precautions that we're taking, the uh, <laughs> The, the, the better our lives have been as far as sicknesses go, 
I haven't had as many allergies because I've been home to change the uh, filter in the house more and stuff like that. Um, you know, uh, the flu yeah. still occurring, but uh, uh, the numbers that, that, that I heard on the news the other day is that the flu is not nearly the, the monster it has been in the past, um, partially because people are taking precautions. Uh, and COVID is a real thing. So, you know... I don't know. I don't know where we go from there, Ben. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hmm. So, all right. Well, well. Do you have anything else you want to tell the internet? Keep being human. <laughs> Keep being human. Keep being yeah, human. Man. Remember the humanity and the people you're talking to. Our people, not machines. Yeah. And and for God's sake, don't. For God's sake, don't. Direction. For God's sake, don't shut down in the middle of an argument. Right. Jeez. <laughs> and just because someone's not talking doesn't mean that you won the argument. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry, but if you scale that out when they get older. And they get into like relationships and and deeper mm-hmm. friendships and stuff. That's gonna be, oh my it's god, a very explosive formula. I mean, and what's gonna be crazy is gonna be like the the people younger than them are gonna be like, we had to teach daddy how to socialize. <laughs> Except are they not? Are they gonna know how to do that? I mean. It's yeah. just gonna, yeah, yeah. It's a scary thought, and if it's starting here, this you know, these children can't be the only ones that this is occurring to. I mean, they're unique like everyone else. Um, right, right. So this this has to be a thing that, that's happening more. Right. And so I, right. You know, as final thoughts, I certainly encourage people to talk to their children to to find out what's going on with them and. and not just or maybe, children. Talk to your neighbor too, and, and or maybe listen to your kids. Don't talk to your kids. Listen well, to your true. Kids. I mean, when I say talk, I'm thinking about an actual conversation where it's a back and forth. <laughs> and as we're doing now, we have a phone call. Holy cow! We're not just writing to each other; we're hearing each other's voice. There's an inflection in the voice. It's amazing, man. It's amazing well, how much somebody's voice can make you smile. It's amazing to me, like, on the one hand, there's been some real, the one positive, I will say, is, like, I've talked to people all over the world that I don't know that I would have thought to do except in the pandemic, right? Right. But then there's all these other negative, like, really negative aspects to it, and you're just like, oh, my God, this is so terrible. Um, well, certainly in your case, this has been a blessing in disguise, and uh, I really love the work that you're doing. Anyway, all right, well, thank you for this opportunity. It's been a you. Well, honestly, honestly, well, you were the person when I thought about interviewing people. You were the person that I was like, I want to interview this guy, but I want to interview Will. I want to interview that guy, (laughs) but I want to interview Will. <laughs> you were the second, like you were always the second. Like, okay, 
yes, I'll interview the, the crypto expert, but I want to interview Will. <laughs> you know. Well, I look forward to seeing what else comes out from the, from, from the, the podcast, too, because I'd like to see what people are saying about it. Um, oh, you know, I mean, I've My I've view heard. is certainly limited to where I'm at here and what I can find out. Uh, well, but see, that's okay. So, I mean, part of the deal is that this is a oral history in disguise. It's an oral right. history in disguise as a podcast. I love yeah. it. I love it. It's great. It's great. But um, because I, I mean, I figure like, like with the kids, right? Like, who's gonna know? Who? I'm sure people know that, but I didn't know that. I don't have kids, right? Does that age? You know. Yeah, I, and well, my hopes are to help wake up some parents too. To your kids are acting this way. They may not be when you're standing around there, but they are when you walk away. <laughs> Yeah, well, I mean, right. It's something to look out for and something to be aware of. Just like we should be checking our kids' phones every once in a while and seeing what kind of, you know, conversations they're having with their friends, too. Right. And that was, I mean, that was even before the pandemic, but... Exactly. I would imagine now, it's like, Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. 